Well, today we are in part two of a message I have called Unwrapping Wonder. And last week we started to unwrap the most incredible gift that the world has ever seen, the most incredible gift that humanity has ever received. And last week we discovered that we're chosen, we're adopted as sons and daughters of the King, we are redeemed, and we're also made new. And can I tell you, if you missed part one, please go listen to it on our website or on our podcast. There's on the iTunes podcast app. You can find our channel on there just by searching our church name. You can listen to part one, but you're going to miss the glory of my snowman pajamas from last week. Some of y'all, when I walked out, they were like, why is she wearing pajamas? But you're going to miss that, but I still want you to go listen to it because there's so much wonder in this gift, and I want you to just receive half of it. I want you to receive all of it, but if you've shown up this week and you missed last week, don't worry. They're standalone messages in and of themselves. You're going to get something out of this if you lean into it. You're going to get something out of it if you actually open up your heart to receive because the generosity of this gift, it hasn't been fully unwrapped yet. We only got halfway through last week, and there's so much more that we could cover in this gift, but I've got a few more things that I want to talk about today, but before we even get started, let's pray. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for how generous you are, for how gracious you are, and God, I pray that as we start to unwrap the wonder of your grace and the wonder of this gift that you've placed in front of every single one of us, God, would you show us your glory? Would you show us your compassion and your mercy? Would you show us the plans that it is that you've got for us? God, would you speak? Because right now, we are listening. And if you believe that, would you say amen? Well, last week, we also talked about some of the hesitations that people have when somebody hands them an extravagant gift. Because oftentimes, when somebody hands us something that's so generous, we think that they expect something in return, right? We think that maybe there's some fine print that says we're going to have to pay it back later in installments plus interest, so we're hesitant to even receive it in the first place. Sometimes we think that there's some type of catch because usually people don't just hand us something so generous for free. Now, I'm wondering, have you ever received a gift that you didn't think you deserved? Just me? A few people? I know sometimes we receive things that we don't think we deserve and we don't think that we're worthy of receiving such a gift. And so instead, we question the intention of the giver, right? We think, why would this person give me something so generous? And sometimes we try to hand it back to them and say, no, 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 I can't accept that, right? We sometimes receive this extravagant gift and our first response is, but why? And even if they say just because, we're like, no, 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 no. Because what? Because what? And we can't just accept the reason that they just want to give it to us just because they love us. Now, if you're that super cautious friend and maybe you watch a lot of YouTube videos, you might be like, is this a prank? Like, is something going to pop out of here? Is this a prank? Is it really not real? And you just want to get my reaction to it. We start to question the intention of the giver when it's so extravagant. Y'all, majority of people do not know how to respond to extreme forms of generosity. We don't. And if we can't understand how to respond to the generosity of humans, how much less can we respond to the generosity of God because the generosity between the two is incomparable. And we often get overwhelmed in those seasons. In fact, a lot of people will receive this gift of salvation from from God and they're going to have this internal wrestle for weeks or months even because they don't fully understand what it means. 
And oftentimes we saw this when we were youth pastors back at our botany campus. We were youth pastors for over four years. We saw this with teenagers all the time. Teenagers would come in broken, desperate for the love of a savior. And they would raise their hand saying, God, I want you to be the Lord and savior of my life. Like I'm going to give you everything. God, I'm so excited. They would praise God like they've never praised him before. They're crying. They're like, my life is changed. Posting up on Instagram. They're walking out of youth with this gift, being so excited that they have just given their life to Jesus. And then all of a sudden they get that text from that friend that says, Hey, let's get drunk tonight. Come out to this party. Or they get that text from that old boyfriend or that old girlfriend and they start to put down what they had just received. And they show up next Friday and they're like, God, I messed up, but I need you. Can you save me again? And they, they think that they have to ask for the gift again and again and week after week. And we've had conversations with so many teenagers to say, look, when when you gave your life to God that first time, you received that gift. You don't have to ask for that gift every single week. What they didn't realize was that God was still with them even in all the mistakes, even in all the mess ups. They still had the gift. They just didn't open it. They still had that gift, but they didn't unwrap it because if they fully unwrapped it, their life would have been transformed. Their decisions would have changed, but they were walking around with this, not realizing that they had it the whole time. They didn't have to ask for it again. God gave it to them the first time, but they didn't unwrap it. And y'all, there's a lot of Christians that are walking around holding on to this gift, but they've only unwrapped part of it. But y'all, there is so much more that we need to understand about this gift. But sometimes our feelings of unworthiness limits our ability to unwrap this. Because we say to God, but why? And he says, because I love you. Because I love you. But society has warped this statement. Society has warped this statement of what love can mean. And based on your own personal experiences, you would have had different moments in your life where somebody has maybe said to you, if you really love me, if you really love me, then you would sleep with me. Or if you really love me, then you would give me that money. Or you would give me that thing. Or if you really love me, then you would fill in the blank. And so our first question to God is, when he says, I'm giving you this because I love you, some of you are like, but God, what do you want in return? Because society has warped what love could mean for you. And just like I said last week, you can do nothing to deserve this. You can't. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. In fact, you can never fully pay this back. But this gift, like I said last week, it has a disclaimer. If you embrace this, you need to know this. It will change you for the better. That's the only disclaimer. There's no catch. There's no small print. Just a single disclaimer that says if you Accept this and embrace this. It will change you for the better. It's not a requirement to receiving it. It's just a result of embracing it. There's no requirement to receiving this, but there is a result from embracing this. And we've been journeying through the book of Ephesians chapter one and two. And I encourage you to read those chapters in your own time at home to fully unpack this. But we're gonna start in chapter two, verse eight today. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, the first thing I want to show you today is something real special. Y'all want to open it? Okay, good. 
The first thing I want to show you is this. It's an empty frame. Now, the reason I wanted to start with this is because in order to accept everything else that I'm showing you today, you first need to accept this. See, isn't it interesting that we walk through life, especially nature, and we praise the things around us? We say, wow, look at those mountains. Show me those mountains. Aren't they pretty? We take photos of them. We're like, this is incredible. We say, wow, look at those flowers. We see all these beautiful flowers in the garden. We say, wow, look at that sunset. And we try to get a photo of the sunset. You know, we think that we're going to get something nice, but it never looks good in our phone. looks more like this in our phone. We praise what's in nature, but we criticize what's in the mirror. We say, whoa, look at those wrinkles. Whoa, look at that cellulite. Whoa, look at those wonky knees. Y'all, I didn't realize anything was wrong with my knees until I was sitting in this group of ladies, and some lady said to me, what's wrong with your knees? I said, nothing, nothing that I know of. And she goes, no, I've looked around this circle at everybody's knees, and yours are different. I said, excuse me? I didn't realize I was different until you pointed it out. So look at those wonky knees. But we praise what's in nature, yet we criticize what's in the mirror. Do you realize that both the mountains and us were created by God? We're both his creation, both the flowers and us created by God, both the sunset and us created by God. But guess which one is made in his image? Us. Man and woman is made in his image You are his prized creation. See, instead of criticizing what you can see, praise God that you can even see. Eyesight is amazing. You know, instead of saying, well, I hate the sound of my voice, praise God that you can hear your voice. That is amazing. The human body is an absolute wonder of God. And in order for us to fully embrace the wonder of God, we have to embrace the beautiful creation that we are because you are God's handiwork. Write that down. You are God's handiwork. And once you embrace who it is that God has created you to be, then you can embrace what I'm about to show you. Because this next thing is a part of your identity. It's a passport. You know what a passport does? It helps you cross borders and enter new territory. It identifies the country or the kingdom that you're from. It kind of tells your life story, the places that you've been, where you've gone and where you are now. But it's more than just this collection of memories. This gives you access, right? And it shows that you are a citizen. You are a citizen. We read in verse 18, for through Jesus, we all have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. When you embrace this gift of salvation, God no longer sees you as a foreigner or a stranger, but he recognizes you as a citizen of his kingdom. You know what that means? That means you get access to his kingdom. You get access to heaven. As a citizen of heaven, you actually no longer fear death. 
You no longer fear it because now you can walk in this confident assurance knowing that you're going to be able to cross that border. You know where you're going so you can walk in life with this peace and this reassurance that you know where you're going. Instead of having to think about what might happen at the gates of heaven, you're holding on to this knowing, you know what? I'm going to be able to cross that border. Y'all, as an immigrant in this country, do we have any immigrants in the room? Quite a few of us. Have you guys ever gotten nervous walking up to the New Zealand customs officers at the airport just a little bit? You know when you get nervous, you kind of walk different because you start to overthink it and then your legs don't work properly. And, and sometimes when I get nervous is why I go real Southern because if I get real Southern and I sound as sweet as I want to, then nobody could ever think I'd do anything wrong. But I had to walk up to the New Zealand customs officer in September when I was coming back from America. And y'all, my temporary residence visas, yes, I'm still not a permanent resident. Yes, it don't matter if I'm married to a citizen. It's a complicated process. But my temporary travel conditions expired on the very day I was getting back. Cutting it close, you know, living life on the edge. And so as I got to the airport and I was walking up, I knew I had this nervousness that if I missed my flight or if it got delayed in some way and I got here a day late, I might no longer have access to this country. That was in September. Can I tell you that as a citizen of the heavenly kingdom, there is no fear. There's no nervousness or no worry. There's no anxiety. But this gift brings you a perfect peace to know with full confidence that God sees you and recognizes you as a citizen. You're not a stranger anymore, but you are a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. And because he gives you this passport, he also gives you this, a reserve sign. Y'all have seen these before? Let's read verse 19 first. It says, you are also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Let me tell you, when you're a member of a household, what do you get? You have a seat. You have a seat. You know what this reserve sign says when restaurants put it out? When a restaurant puts this out on a table, it says, I'm expecting you to show up. But not only is the restaurant expecting you, but they've prepared for your arrival, right? In the book of Revelation, we read, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Do you realize this gift? This gift is your invitation to the massive wedding feast that's being prepared for when Jesus comes back for the church, his bride. Y'all know how we celebrate every single week when somebody gives their life to Jesus, when somebody says yes? And I will often say to you, heaven is celebrating too, because you know what happens in that moment? What happens in that moment when somebody says yes to Jesus, the angels are shouting at each other, hey, bring me another seat and a table sign because someone just RSVP'd. Like, it's a party up there and going on in heaven because they're preparing for the ultimate party at the end. Oh, God, this is so good. God is expecting you. When you accept this, heaven is expecting you. That is why we celebrate but it's so much more than just expecting you at the table at the end of your life. He's now expecting you to show up for him and his people in this life. He's saying, I don't want you to just come to the wedding feast, but I want you to be a part of this party every single Sunday. I want you to be a part of this party on this earthly life as we bring more people into this and have more RSVPs coming through. Be a part of that change here on earth while you're here. This is so important. There's a party here every single Sunday, and Frosty and I get so excited every time we get to set out new seats 
because that means we're making room for more at the table. We're making room for more people to RSVP, and we get so excited because somebody's going to sit in that seat, and that's either a soul that knows Jesus and is walking with him, or it's somebody who doesn't yet know him but now has positioned themselves for an invitation. This is so exciting. You have a seat both here and in heaven. When you fully unwrap the wonder of God and lean into everything he wants to give you, you don't have to question whether or not he knows your name. You don't have to question whether or not he knows you're coming. You know, have you ever been to an event before, maybe um, a wedding before, and you get to the reception part, and you have to awkwardly walk around every single table to figure out where your name is, and there's part of you as you go from table to table to table, be like, did they forget I was coming? Um, I don't see my name anywhere, right? We have that awkward hesitation. Guess what? With God, you don't have to have that awkward entrance or that awkward glance at the table. He's already prepared a seat for you, and he knows you are coming. You have a seat both here and in heaven. When you fully walk in the wonder of his grace and you let him transform you from the inside out, no matter what life throws at you, because life will throw things at you, but you can know that the sacrifices you make here on this and this earthly life, it's nothing in comparison to the riches and the rewards you will receive in heaven. When you face tests and trials of every kind in this life, you know that it's nothing compared to the wedding feast that you're going to be at in heaven. So we can walk with this assurance knowing that God is expecting us. Y'all, this gift is unreal, isn't it? But there's, there's one more thing I want to show you. And this one's really important. Verse 21 and 22 says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Here's what you need to understand about this gift. Before I show you that last thing, though, I want you to understand the nature of God because let's just unwrap this again. See, God chose you. Yes, this box has my name on it, but there is a box with your name on it. God chose you, but he also gave you free will to choose him, right? That means he can place this gift in front of you, but you have to choose to receive it and unwrap it. And if you do, God adopts you. As a son or a daughter of the king, he adopts you into his new bloodline. And then the, the generational things that have affected you in the past, it can stop with you. Listen to last week's message so you can understand more of that. You are redeemed. His blood that he spilt on the cross was so that you could be made, made new and redeemed by his grace and by his blood. This is so good. And then what we've talked about today, you are his handiwork. When he looks at his creation, he is so proud of you, but you're also a citizen and you have a seat prepared for you at the table. And he did all of this for you out of incomprehensible love. But God wants something really special. He wants a personal relationship with you. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And his spirit actually wants to live within us. When we fully embrace this gift, the greatest gift that the world has ever seen, the Holy Spirit wants to dwell within you. And that was by God's design that we would become temples of the Holy Spirit. You are a dwelling place. You are a dwelling place. Now, if the rest of what was in this box hasn't transformed you yet, I promise you this next thing, it will. This next thing will change you. And it's so important for us to understand because God asks that in embracing him, we make him our number one. He asks that we put nothing else before him. 
He wants to be the priority in your life. He wants to be the one you turn to in times of trouble, the one that you go to for guidance and support. He wants to be the priority in your life. And so when you let God move into your heart, he's going to flick on this sign. No vacancy. No vacancy. When God moves in, he's going to kick everything else out. When God moves in, things are going to shift. But remember what I said last week. I said, God is a gentleman. He will never force this gift upon you. And guess what? When the Holy Spirit dwells within you, he will ask for your permission. And he often does that. He does that by prompting you or nudging you or highlighting something to you in your life. And he says, hey, that thing needs to go. That needs to go. You need to get that out of your heart. You need to get that out of your mind. You need to get that out of your life. It needs to go. And he will prompt you and nudge you as he starts to clean up what the world has tainted. He puts on this sign of no vacancy because when he moves in, he's going to clean everything else out. Why? Because he's making you fit for a king. He's making you fit for a king. When God moves in, he needs full authority in your life. He's the only one that can fill that void in your heart that you've been trying to fill with worldly vices. Keys can join me now. Nothing else in this world will satisfy. I can tell you that with 100% confidence. Nothing else in this world will fully satisfy you. That money won't, that job won't, that corner suite office won't, that boy, that girl, they won't. Nothing else in this world will fully satisfy because you were not designed to be used by this world. You were designed to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, to be a dwelling place. God is the only one that can fill that void in your heart. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I wanted you to really get this point because this one, this is so important. And I had this perfect picture come to mind. Do we have any landlords in the room? Does anybody own a house that you have uh, tenants in? There's a few of us. We've been a, a landlord for a property in Hamilton for a few years now, just sold that. Now going to do the same thing in Auckland. And this is what it's like when your heart is a dwelling place for the world versus the Holy Spirit. See, the world is like the worst possible renters you can imagine. They won't treat the house like a home. They won't respect the house. In fact, when the world moves in, you can expect things to be broken. You can expect to find holes in the cavity of your heart. You can expect to be used and abused. You can expect them to invite in unwanted guests that wreak havoc in your life and leave trash around for you to clean up. The world are the worst renters of your heart. But God's different. God is different because, you see, the one who designed the house and built the house knows how to respect the house. See, when the owner is living in the property, it's not the same type of situation as if renters were living there. The owner of a house will always treat the house with more respect because guess what? They're the ones who paid the heavy price tag for it. They're going to patch up the holes that the renters made. They're going to pick up the trash that the renters left behind when they moved on to their next rental. They're going to move in to redeem that house and restore it and make it a home. That's what God wants to do when he moves in. See, what happens is this no vacancy sign, it's actually a statement to the world that they can't move in again. See, it says to the world and to those people in your life that have maybe used you and abused you and are coming back for a round two, it says, look, I'm no longer empty. I'm no longer lonely. 
See, when the king moves in, he's paid for every single house, every single room in this house. He's paid for every single room in this house, so there's no room for darkness to move in. There's no room for the enemy to move in. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is not moving in to be bunk mates with the devil. You can't have both in there at the same time. When God moves in, the devil gets kicked out. When light moves in, the darkness has to go. They can't be in there at the same time. You got to get this. This no vacancy sign is a statement to the world that says, I am no longer empty. The owner now lives here and he's paid for every single room. This is so important for you to realize because this will change you. It will affect how you live your life. It will affect how you make decisions in life. And it will affect how you see yourself. Because the owner dwelling within you will respect you and show you everything that you were created to be. He will restore you to the dwelling place that you were designed to be. And can I tell you, if you've lost your wonder for God, you haven't unwrapped the gift. Because if you would have unwrapped it, you would see how incredible this is. You would see his grace and his generosity. You would see the sacrifice he made so that you could have a clean slate and start again. Maybe you didn't understand the true value because it was given to you for free. But if you want to experience all that God has for you, just unwrap the gift that he's already placed in front of you. And also get this, our gift to him in return because oftentimes when somebody gives us something, we, out of the overwhelming flow of our heart, we want to give something back. But our gift in return will never compare in value, and it never was required to. It's like when the kid makes that macaroni necklace that you really don't want to wear outside the house, or that scribble on a piece of paper that they want to hang up on your fridge. A kid's gift to the parent will never compare to the parent's gift to the kid. It was never meant to. But what a parent wants, what a parent wants is simply something from the heart. They just want something from the heart. And the best way to respond to God's generosity is with a genuine heart response. You can't outgive the giver. You were never meant to. But just like a parent receiving a gift from a child, all that God the Father wants is a heart response from you. To know that you are embracing this and you are accepting it and that you are allowing it to transform you. That's all God wants. And so as we come to a close, I want to give people an opportunity to receive this. Because this gift has changed me. And I know it's changed a lot of people in this room. And I want to extend this gift to you. It has your name on it. And all of this is on offer to you for free. God's already paid the price for you. It's already sitting here in front of you, and all you have to do is accept it with a genuine heart response. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And in this prayer, I'm going to do two main things. See, I want to acknowledge that we are sinners in need of grace. you got to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that you can't do it on your own. And then the second thing is really important, too. It's acknowledging that Jesus is Lord of your life, that the Holy Spirit is moving in, and that God has full authority. It's acknowledging Jesus as not just the Savior, but also as your Lord. Those are the two main things that come out of that heart response that will change you for the better. And so with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, I'm going to ask all the believers in this room to say this after me. 
And if you want to say yes to God, I want you to say this too. I want you to say this out loud. If you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've walked away and you put down the gift and you're like, I need to pick that up and unwrap what's already been placed in front of me. I want you to pray this too. Say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made mistakes, but I need a savior. God, I don't want to be the boss of my life anymore. I can't figure it out. And I need you to move in and kick the darkness out, kick the devil out. God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Everything I have is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.